All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon, it's Jacinta Burton with your Thursday afternoon headlines. A mining software company established 36 years ago by a Perth geologist has been sold to a US company for $900 million, setting a new record for WA's tech sector. Aspen Technology said overnight it would pay $900 million in cash for Micromine. The sale comes nearly four years after Sydney-based Potentia Capital acquired a majority stake in the company. Since that deal, Micromine Mine has bought two more businesses, including Queensland company Precision Mining and WA mining software business Alastri. Micromine was established in 1986 and has grown to have 280 employees across 22 global offices. This includes more than 100 staff in Perth, making it one of the largest employers on the business news's listing of Perth technology companies. Its software is used by about 800 companies across 2,000 sites globally. And in other news, Rio Tinto winning International Group and the Guinea government have struck a joint venture in a bid to bring one of the world's largest untapped iron ore resources into operation. The three parties on Wednesday incorporated a new company, the Trans-Guinean Company, to commence building infrastructure for the Simandu project in southern Guinea. Subsidiaries of Rio Tinto and winning International Group, a Singaporean consortium, own a 42.5% equity stake in the new venture, with the Guinea government owning a 15% stake. Rio says the company will be the central structure in developing infrastructure for the mine, which will require more than 600 kilometres of rail spanning from the south to the southwest of Guinea and port components. Simandu is widely considered one of the largest untapped iron ore resources in the world, though ambitions to develop the project have been hindered by a lack of infrastructure, costs and ongoing negotiations between owners. The deal comes weeks after reports that the Government of Guinea had ordered all work related to the project to be stopped after the involved companies allegedly failed to meet a joint venture deadline. Estimated costs associated with building the project reportedly sit at about 20 billion US dollars. Rio Tinto shares were off 0.89% today to trade at $96.11. And Pilbara Minerals has reported strong growth in production as it invests in new capacity, while diversified minor mineral resources has received a boost from its lithium operations. Shares in both ASX companies enjoyed solid gains today after their quarterly production updates. Pilbara Minerals said its June quarter production jumped 56% to 127,000 dry metric tonnes of spodumene concentrate compared to the March quarter. The quarterly result contributed to a 34% lift in annual production to 377,000 dry metric tonnes. Meanwhile, Mineral Resources has reported that annual shipments from its Mount Marion project totaled more than 440,000 dry metric tonnes of spodumene concentrate, below the guidance range of 450,000 to 475,000. The company said this was due to the mining of transitional ore in a new stage of the pit and a reduced operational workforce due to COVID impacts. Revenue for the sale of Mount Marion lithium hydroxide in this financial year is expected to be in excess of $510 million US dollars. Shares in mineral resources jumped more than 7% today to a peak of $52.51. Meanwhile, Pilbara Minerals jumped more than 6% to trade at $2.73. And coming up next, the extended interview with journalist Jordan Murray. 
We understand that business relies on being informed. That's why Business News is your most reliable source of news, industry insights and business connections. To stay fully informed, we encourage you to subscribe to our emails, flick through our magazine and visit businessnews.com.au for daily news updates. It's the best way to ensure you have the information you need to be future ready. Business News. More news, more insights, more connections. Nobody loves visiting Western Australia's vast regional expanses more than me, and after two years of Western Australians getting to know their backyard, it seems major developers have caught the same travel bug. At least three major developers are progressing projects across the state's outback, and joining me today to discuss her article covering the regulatory hurdles these developers now face is senior journalist Claire Tyrrell. Claire, thanks for being here. Thanks, Jordan. Looking over the list, there are some impressive names with projects in the offing. For the sake of listeners, though, could you quickly walk me through the three that you focused on, Claire? I got this idea a few months ago when I saw the things that were popping up on the uh, various uh, planning bodies, local and state. Smith's Beach was the the first one, the most obvious one that I looked at. Uh, it, the site itself is very controversial. Depends who you are, whether you think the development itself is controversial. <laughs> but Smith's Beach itself, the site of it was subject to a triple C investigation in 2007 when uh, former Premier Brian Burke's ties to property developers were examined. And Adrian Finney, who's a really renowned developer in Perth, I was very excited to be able to interview him and get some of his time to for him to shed his insights into the, into the project and his passion behind it. The second one I looked at was uh, a little bit further south in Narrabup. People probably know that site well. It's also subject to a bit of controversy, a bit of uh, local pushback and that's being developed by Saracen Properties and I spoke to Joel Saracini who was great he provided some really valuable insights into that project. Uh, the third one I looked at was a little bit different further north in Exmouth uh, the Ningaloo Lighthouse Resort which is uh, being developed by Twiggy's 5-8 actually which is a, the uh, the property arm of Tatarang. Adrian Finney's work on the Smith Beach project was fascinating. Uh, there he faces opposition from community groups particularly for progressing the project through the SDAU. The State Development Assessment Unit has come under a lot of criticism since its inception during COVID. It was brought about to progress projects of state significance during that time when it was uh, you know thought to be really challenging. Probably didn't turn out to be nearly as bad as we thought it would be economically but we were faced with that and the state government introduced it as a way of bringing approval bodies together to kind of oversee projects rather than them going through the you know what they kind of went through before which is a lot more of a local localized process and big argument there was that some local government authorities especially you know when you look down in Bustleton they would have been handling Smith's speech they're already swamped they kind of um it's a way of overseeing projects on a, on more of a state level but it, it has had a lot of criticism um people say that it kind of bypasses local planning schemes when you talk to developers you kind of realize that they actually have to also go through the local local planning schemes as well and speak to local councils and it's it's still a really long and drawn out process. Saracen Properties has also chosen the SDAU as its development pathway. Uh, you spoke to Joel, their project manager, and he doesn't seem to think this process is, as you say, especially speedy. No. So Joel's overseeing uh, Narabup and uh, he's one of the directors there. And no, he, he 
provided some um, pretty meaty comments about the SDAU. He said uh, he, he's not unsupportive of it, he supports it, but he was saying how it's um, anything but a fast track. It initially was being criticised as that, as a way of expediting projects, and people saw that as a negative thing because they thought that things might, details about projects might get overlooked. But however, that is not. That has not been the case. Um, as Adrian Finney told me, his project is going to have to undergo 40 approvals. And then, of course, there's the detail there of how Saracen has interacted with Narabup's major community group. It's not as if the STAU has meant that they can bypass that community group entirely. They have engaged up to now. They've been through a public comment phase on the STAU. But the interesting thing about this article and part of the reason why I wanted to tackle it was um, to learn about the different ways that developers were approaching navigating community concerns. So Adrian Finney has got in front of people, not hordes of people, but having little kind of small, maybe four or five people telling them at a time, it, just, it all adds up to 300 people roughly about the projects and Tatarang's 5.8 have actually employed someone in the community as full-time community engagement. Saracen, uh, they kind of let the development application speak for itself. They are taking a completely transparent approach, making everything publicly available on their website and um, being accessible in that way. And Joel Saraceni assures me that their development is well within the guidelines, both local and state. Tatarang is the final example you cite in your article, and notably, it's gone to JDAP to progress its development, not the SDAU. Can't be really sure on the reasons why, uh, because technically that project would qualify for the SDAU, because regional projects over $5 million can qualify for that, But and theirs is $85 million, so it's well above, but they chose the JDAP. They submitted that to the Shire of Exmouth last year, and they're kind of waiting for that. And like the other two projects, that is also going through an um, environmental protection authority and it's the highest level of review. The uh, interesting thing about the Exmouth project is the road realignment that they want to do. They want to move a whole road, you know, just so the people going to the resort don't have to cross the road before they go to the beach. This would require clearing of 12 hectares of native vegetation, which is sparking a bit of controversy, a bit of pushback in the community. But as Julianne Bush, their community engagement manager, said, she said, this community is really environmentally literate and we have to be responsive to them. Here's hoping all three get off the ground and community concerns are allayed in the interim. To read more on this, be sure to pick up the latest edition of Business News or head online to businessnews.com.au where you can also read further coverage of Smith's Beach Project. Claire, thanks for being here. Thank you. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.